Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Neil Garfield Show, a presentation sponsored by the Living Lies blog, GTC Honors, LendingLies.com, and The Garfield Firm. Servicing all 50 states and 24 countries with news and analysis about the largest economic crime in human history. This program is for general information only and should not be used as a substitute for legal advice or consultation with a licensed professional. This show is not intended as a solicitation for the engagement of any services. And now sitting in for Neil this week, it's your host, Charles Marshall. Hello, everyone. It is March 26, 2020, and I'm very happy to be signing on here and presenting this show live from San Diego, California. And while I wouldn't say I'm sheltered in place, yes, I am indoors as I always am when I do this show. And I'm very happy uh, as well to have Bill Padalo back with me to get into a number of aspects to this whole COVID-19 crisis that we're all being subjected to. Uh, Welcome, Bill. Hi. Good to be here, Charles. Thank you. Yes, so listeners, COVID-19 situation, of course, it's also known by the coronavirus label. I mean, both of those are quite accurate. COVID-19 seems to be the government's label of choice. Uh, It is used a lot in informationals here in California, the courts seem to have gravitated to that term universally, and a lot of the executive branch from the state governor down to the various county levels of government to city mayors, they have all glopped on to the COVID-19 label. So for convenience and kind of unity of of making it easier to understand what we're talking about, I will use that label COVID-19. Uh, now, we are going to be addressing a number of aspects to this. I think the place where we start, and I will say also just preliminarily that Neil, I, I think, well covered the ground for the coronavirus uh, crisis, as he described it, and he went into a lot of the fundamentals. My purpose here is not so much to retread that. Uh, I do think it's important, though, to emphasize just how profound this development is. I think it's important to emphasize that in some states, and including California and New York are two that come to mind. And as everyone knows, I live in California. I work in California. I legally practice in California. So that is my bailiwick. That is my arena. I do know a lot of the particulars in California, including as relates now to COVID-19 and Regarding California and COVID-19, there has been an incremental, fairly rapid quickening of executive decision-making. A lot of it came from cities and counties 
and this is as recent as just earlier this month, and virtually the earliest was even just mid-late February. Before that, there were very few edicts and orders that were COVID-related. Now they're coming out seemingly every few hours. Nevertheless, uh, the governor, uh, Gavin Newsom of California, issued just last week a a statewide order that basically prohibits gathering in public, and it applies to all gatherings, even if we're only discussing two people gathering in public. And there is the shelter-in-place terminology where there's an expectation that you stay indoors unless you're going out for essential services and you get those services from uh, a necessary provider. And uh, I'm glad to report that I'm a necessary provider as a court litigator. Um, I don't really... uh, not to sound too old school, but I never really caught into the idea of sheltering in place. Uh, having uh, lived as a free person all these decades, and I intend to continue to live as a free person, uh, the COVID-19 situation does require all of us to make adjustments, legitimate adjustments. We do need to be concerned about the spread of the virus. There are going to be, and there are ongoing, legitimate public disagreements and uh, confabs about uh, how much executive authority is too much, how restrictive should people's movements be. Uh, This is all going to be, this will all have to be hashed out in public policy. But as, as a practical matter, California does have incipient martial law and no, not my type of martial law after my own namesake, M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L. No, the other type of martial law, M-A-R-T-I-A-L. We really do have that already. Martial law, by definition, is the restricted movement of the population for all kinds of reasons and purposes. And here, even though the umbrella reason is COVID-19, there's a massive ordering right now of restricted movement in this state. We don't have nightly curfews yet, though those may be coming. It's also important to note that this order is indefinite. While the county and some of the city orders were for periods subject to renewal of anywhere from two weeks up to two months, the governor's order of last week is an indefinite order until and unless it is lifted, we in California are now in martial law light even if it looks somewhat martial law-like at the moment. Uh, So one of the first things we'll be talking about is the situation with the foreclosure moratoriums. Uh, I want to do initially, though, get uh, Bill's take on what he has seen. As I think listeners know, he lives in Montana. Curious if there is a sense of a lot of coronavirus cases, COVID-19 cases in Montana. My, my superficial perception would be maybe not so much. does seem to have taken hold in the big urban areas where international travelers come through all the time, such as coastal New York, 
in coastal California. Um, so I will welcome, uh, Bill, your take on that, as well as your take on what's happening with your expert witness appearances, what kind of issues are you having with courts and the attorneys and clerks and everybody else, and what are your recommendations in terms of how this might impact getting a forensic loan audit? So go ahead and uh, have the floor to discuss those subjects, if you would. Well, sure, Charles. Uh, well, thankfully, I, Montana, or where I'm at in the uh, Glacier Park area, is not a real hotbed for the virus, thankfully. But uh, I was out and about. I had a very busy uh, trial schedule uh, slated for last week. And uh, I was obviously pretty nervous about setting off, uh, hitting all these uh, southern and eastern cities. And I started out my journey on uh, Sunday of last week, heading towards Chicago O'Hare, where <laughs> Everything was uh, changing so rapidly, even at, at that time, and still is to this day. But um, just while I was uh, in, in transit for the first trial Monday morning of last week, uh, everything started tipping like dominoes. Um, everything was getting canceled, postponed all over the country. And um, my trial for that uh, following morning, unfortunately, I had to make a very, very difficult decision to uh, evacuate and turn and retreat and head home as quickly as possible uh, because things were unfolding so so fast. But unfortunately, um, that one trial court uh, decided to proceed with the foreclosure trial um, without my uh, presence and um, uh, not saying that my presence would have caused any different you know outcome. But anyway, it was unfortunate because my client ended up uh, losing in that trial. So it was very unusual to see, you know, we talked about the institutional bias, and this was kind of one of those situations where I'm just kind of venting a little bit because I thought it was really unreasonable to uh, have pushed that trial through. But across the country right now, things are um, still in a very um, uh, state of flux. Uh, the stories, people are, are not getting very clear pictures um, coming back from the, uh, the clerks and the courts and things of that nature in terms of um, – you know how things are going to play out, and uh, you know uh, on, on the calendars and the schedules, uh, the deadlines uh, in place for um, filings and all of that sort of thing. It's still really kind of up in the air, and so um, my my work here, from from the forensic standpoint, it hasn't really changed too much. In fact, I'm now scheduled for deposition via video next week, uh, so I think. Um, People are starting to utilize that technology, and they're going to a lot more uh, to keep the flow of things going. Um, but I, I would say the the only real slowdown for me is sort of getting the verifications back from government agencies. Uh, so, for example, if I need a verified document from the state of California on, a, on an entity or a license or something of that nature, um, things are, are going to be you know, slowed down you know, substantially to get some of those documents back. But I think uh, because we're in such uncharted waters, um, I, there are some things that I'm sensing and seeing already, and, and I just have a, you know, I don't have a crystal ball as nobody does, but I think there's some lessons that um, we hopefully have learned from the first crisis in 2008 uh, and shortly thereafter when uh, legislation and all these things were passed in haste 
and everybody was trying to figure out um, how to uh, overcome obstacles to either protect consumers or whatever it was to deal with the the, um, the crisis at hand. And I think we have to we have to learn from that experience uh, currently now. And and my advice here is uh, very simple. Uh, don't assume or presume anything. Um, even if you hear it or you're told that the courts are going to shut down or that there's a moratorium on uh, payments or whatever, you're reading about something in the news, uh, don't make your mortgage payment or don't worry. I mean, uh, don't presume or assume anything. And also, it's extremely important this time around for people, even if you're not in a good habit of doing this sort of thing, but you have to start documenting everything that's occurring in your financial world and get it into writing and some sort of documentation because there are going to be many areas that are going to be taken advantage of where there's a lot of the dark side out there or whatever you want to call them um, of people who are going to try to game this system and game uh, the crisis here and take advantage of it and it's going to be imperative that you have really good documentation. And one area that I see right now that I see is going to be a problem, um, and, and it's going to be a tool that's used to manipulate a lot of different things, is the credit reporting issues um, under uh, Fair Credit Reporting Act. But with the credit reporting agencies, um, you know, you, I've read and we see stories about uh, – the agencies or or enti- you know lenders creditors whomever credit cards student loans whatever it might be auto loans they're saying you know give people a break or don't report negative derogatory information during this period because they're you know temporarily out of work whatever that might be well the credit reporting stuff for example is all electronics <laughs> it's all set up we're not the system isn't set up to deal with anything like what we're going through and what COVID-19 is causing. And and what's going to happen here, and I can already see it happening, is that uh, people's credit is going to start getting tarnished on a mass scale because the computer systems and the algorithms are not set up to deal with this. And there's a benefit to driving down people's credit scores. And that benefit is when interest rates are at an all-time low. And there's such a huge demand for refinancing and locking in on those rates. The investors are already squawking that they can't make money on these mortgages with these rates at this lower level. So what do you do? If the credit scores can be dinged or tarnished, then they can start to increase and bump those interest rates and call it a risk factor and start increasing and profiting from that. And so I see already – problems with the credit reporting issues, and we're going to see a ton of that because it's going to hamstring people who have spent years getting out of the hole from the last crisis, getting their credit repaired, getting into a point where they can maybe even negotiate a good refinance or something out of their existing bad situation, and now they're going to find themselves kind of um, back to square one, so to speak, battling and fighting to get some of these corrections uh, fixed and what are you going to have? A million people ahead of you in line that are all screaming and crying about the same things. So I hate to be 
sort of a, a bearer of uh, you know gloom and doom or bad news. I want to stay somewhat positive here, but I, I just am warning everybody, uh, when you're dealing with the mortgage servicers, whoever you're dealing with right now, um, just make sure you document absolutely everything um, because you're you're going to find, especially if, if you're dealing in a foreclosure situation, and we've talked about the institutional bias that exists out there, uh, you're going to find that when this all starts to kind of hopefully clear itself out, even if it takes another month or two, which is a very long time, this is going to create a bottleneck in the system. And that bottleneck, once it gets uh, to a point where uh, the courts need to start clearing this stuff out again, just like when they created rocket dockets and things of that nature back in 0809, um, you're going to find that decisions are going to start being made in haste and, and corners are going to get cut and all of these things that are going to occur most likely in favor of the institutions. So, you know, that being said, um, I'm, I'm only, uh, I can only guess that there's going to be areas that people are going to be trying to gain this uh, thing in this crisis uh, that, that we don't even realize yet. And so, therefore, again, document, document. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that's great advice. And I think one of the takeaways that listeners should take away from what you've just described, and it's, it's something that also dovetails quite nicely with what Neil described last week, uh, the better and more precise and more detailed and more accurate you can make all of these types of documentations, the more you have a legitimate shot at getting a successful fight against the institutional players. Because as much as this seeming kind of reprieve, the foreclosure moratorium, the eviction moratorium, those two in particular, as much as they seem to create a big opening for us, you have to look at the details of that like everything. For instance, in a couple of judicial foreclosure states, uh, namely New Jersey and Pennsylvania, you have a pretty clear and a pretty clean foreclosure and eviction moratorium. It applies also to uh, rental evictions where you are the former homeowner and your property goes to sale. It even applies to regular tenant evictions, even for unpaid rent. And it applies to foreclosure options, uh, those being judicial foreclosure states. Of course, the auction people, the lenders bringing the properties to auction, they have to have a judicial foreclosure order by which they're empowered to take the properties to sale. Now, all of that is genuinely on hold in those states. Now, states like California, it won't, I think, surprise listeners to know that California's situation is more ambiguous, less direct, less comprehensive. Uh, I don't know that confusing is the right term, However, you're going to have to do more analysis to figure out exactly if this moratorium that does now exist in California is really comprehensive. I think it's fairly comprehensive. Uh, my analysis so far, I don't have a sense that absolutely all foreclosures of any type have been 
essentially deferred. It's absolutely true that the great majority are being deferred and that there are various COVID-19 related orders, even from the state, related to foreclosures. So most of them, frankly, come from counties, county levels at this point. Uh, you know, it's the same thing with evictions, too. I mean, there really isn't a definitive order from any level of government, absolute, outright, forbidding foreclosures and evictions right now. It's more complicated than that. So particularly in California, you're going to have to uh, do more due diligence and follow the Internet updates, maybe even some of the media updates. Uh, People talk about a situation like this being a fluid environment. Uh, This COVID-19 situation is the ultimate fluid environment, and I'm not talking about one of the means of transmission. Because as I think listeners know, it can also be transferred transferred to infection through the air. Uh, In terms of the moratorium, you will just have to look into the details and even using conventional media to some extent can provide some information on that. Uh, As a practical matter, there are some interesting angles to the moratorium, which I'll spend a little bit of time discussing here. Uh, One of them is that per Gavin Newsom's statewide order, which literally does forbid public gatherings except if they are under the necessary umbrella, and even then it would be expected that the gatherings would not be lots of people coming to an open space somewhere. Uh, uh, An auction site, at least in the real world as it exists now in the auction world is still a physical space where people come together. So it's very easy to make out a case that per se any public auction right now would violate Governor Gavin Newsom's order related to sheltering in place. While banks and institutions are considered necessary providers that's for the purpose of the public going to these institutions to get needed monies or settle or continue needed essential financial affairs of their own. It's not for somebody to execute an auction, which clearly does involve the auctioneers and the servicers and the sales trustees directing those auctions. Clearly they're holding themselves after the public as being open in a public place for people to gather to execute a sale of the property. As I say, I don't think I'm stretching uh, to say that that's illegal per se. Uh, I don't say that in a technical sense, and I I have to give this disclaimer, as I often do on this show. I'm not imparting legal advice here. I'm giving uh, an opinion, and this is an opinion show where we talk about the topics of the day related to foreclosures, Just as COVID-19 has impacted literally every other area of life, so does it impact dramatically the foreclosure environment. So I can see uh, the prospect if notices of trustee sales and notices of defaults are issued right now. Even without a scheduled auction sale, if you issue a notice of default right now, you're saying that at a date and time certain, there will be 
a public gathering, which public gathering, again, prima facie, violates uh, Gavin Newsom's order because his order, again, is indefinite until and unless he clarifies it or somehow minimizes it. It is the order, and it is statewide right now. So I think one could get declaratory or injunctive relief uh, related to any notice of default that's issued uh, half less a notice of trustee sale, half less a scheduled auction, half less an auction that's actually held. Those would all be violative of the order as well, which I think is one reason whereby even though the the moratorium in uh, foreclosure moratorium in California is a little bit muddy as to the particulars and exactly how it applies, as a practical matter, the statewide order does per se ban public auctions, even though public auctions aren't described in the order. And that's, uh, I think, an important situation that people need to be apprised of. I have seen that unlawful detainer evictions in California, whether they're post-auction uh, unlawful detainers or whether the person is just behind in rents, those are being stayed as well. Uh, now, another aspect to this um, is the recording of public documents. The county recorders of certain counties, Riverside and San Bernardino are two such counties, they're simply closed. Now, I haven't been able to parse out whether if somebody has a pending escrow just to buy a property somewhere, whether they can execute uh, recorded purchases related to that, the deed and, and associated uh, note, etc. cetera. Uh, it does seem to have stopped for the time being the recording of notices of default. And again, there is the companion problem, which I just highlighted, of those notices of default being presumptively illegal right now. Uh, San Diego and Orange County, the county recorders are open for some purposes, though Orange County seems to be going back and forth about that. And then the courts. I can speak to California, of course, and I think listeners around the country will have their own experiences with this. And we all have collective wisdom, as everybody knows, and I think this is a time to, to share those uh, perspectives Again, the fluid environment with COVID-19 COVID means people kind of have to educate and re-educate themselves literally every couple of days on what's the latest out there and how it's impacting the foreclosure world. Uh, the, the court situation, uh, there are courts that are just closing outright and they're consolidating outright. Uh, just I believe it was just today, it was certainly very recent, the Northern District of California, the federal court, there's several locations there. But two of the main ones, uh, apart from San Francisco, were San Jose and Oakland. Everything has been consolidated now into the downtown San Francisco, into the downtown San Francisco uh, court to the extent that Case matters need to be addressed. There are a lot of uh, court edicts that come out literally every two or three days clarifying the status of current cases. It's almost as if a stay has been issued sort of 
court-wide, and that is, again, kind of a moving target and a developing target. That is where this is headed. And some courts have issued orders related to COVID-19 that, if not literally legally stay proceedings, they have a similar impact. So a lot of times, since most federal cases operate on an electric most federal cases act on an electronic basis, filing basis, where you have attorney representation, the deadlines can still be out there, even if the hearings will be boned or taken under advisement. And in the state court arena, we also see a reduction of services, closings of certain courts. And this will all continue. Uh, Neil will be back next Thursday to discuss the latest, and I appreciate, as I always do, your input on all of this, Bill, and thank you, Bill. Thanks, Charles. The opinions expressed on The Neil Garfield Show are those of its hosts and should not be ascribed to any other persons or entities. For more information about Neil, the blog, or upcoming seminars, please visit livinglies.me. Give us a call at 954-451-1230 or send an email to n-e-i-l-f-g-a-r-f-i-e-l-d at hotmail.com. Thank you for listening to The Neil Garfield Show. If the information has helped you, consider making a donation by visiting livinglies.me.